0: i'm the fantasy guy noah
1: and i'm the techie guy ryan
0: and this is the motley podcast a tech fantasy and all things nerdy podcast for the generation that needs it the most so we've got a lot of things to talk about uh, on this week's episode here um Most of most of which come from the Pokemon Presents event in honor of the uh, 25th anniversary. But there's plenty of other important things here, too. Uh, And I think the first one we're going to start off with today is uh, a little bit of a weird one. So Apple is suing Valve um, as an extension of their their suing of Epic Games over revenue costs on the App Store. And And I think this all started about what was it now, two months ago, maybe maybe longer. I feel like it's been longer
1: than two months. I guess it's been going on for uh, I feel like since like middle of fall about.
0: Yeah, this has definitely been a, a long running lawsuit. Um, yeah. It began in August oh, uh, yeah. when Apple removed Epic's uh, Fortnite from the app store um, because direct payments were introduced and Apple really doesn't appreciate it when other people won't pay the money. Uh, Despite the fact that Apple has no developmental uh, input in the games themselves, yeah (laughs) But uh, so valve is going to have to give up information on over 400 games that they sell on Steam Um, To be specific that's 436 different PC games. They're going to have to provide sales data for Um, and this is all part of that ongoing dispute And I have to say, I'm a bit confused as to why it's 436 games. I don't think Epic has produced that many games. And I I sort of fail to see uh, how that's even important in this scenario.
1: That's the thing for me. I'm confused as to why Valve has specifically been brought into this argument. Like...
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, can you even purchase... Fortnite on on Valve?
1: No, Fortnite's made by Epic Games, like it's exclusive to them. So it it just it's just a little weird. It's confusing.
0: Yeah, I I don't know if this is some sort of uh, plan to make it seem uh more like financial based you know it seems to me like they're gathering information from other you know uh, game companies that well not really game companies but uh, us sale platforms uh game marketplaces if you will and uh trying to make the basis off of that that you know they were losing so much money from not being able to do their 30 percent cut and and, you know that it was such a such a big deal to lose that and you know that clearly epic must be making this much money uh or stuff like that because that does seem to be what they're looking for here um because you know what they're looking for is yearly sales from apps and in-app purchases uh advertising revenue and sales of external products um as well as a couple other things but me it, it just it, it doesn't quite make sense to me and you know of course that's because I don't understand law very well um, <laughs> but I, I, it also seems just like beating a dead horse to me yeah
1: I what I don't get is why why is valve being pulled into this anyway since it feels like valve is has just been kind of separate from this whole argument between epic games and Apple. But, and Apple is just trying to, like, force Valve into giving them a bunch of information that uh, I don't really understand what it's supposed yeah, to do uh, for that specific, like, lawsuit.
0: Right, yeah. You know, this almost seems like um, pork barrel policy, where they're just trying to get as much out of this lawsuit as they possibly can.
1: Yeah. And
0: also, uh, on a,
1: at least from The Verge, it's... They're pointing that it's valve is being forced to actually give that all that information up which is weird yeah. because it's like like that's valve information like that's all the stuff they've collected about the games that they sell that's not in any way tied to apple or epic games
0: no not at all and that's important stuff too you know this paints a very clear picture for apple of their competitor um which, you know, you have to remember they are now. Uh, Apple does offer a game service where you can purchase games through them and, you know, you can play them on your um, your Apple TV. And I know people have definitely taken advantage of that. So it, it's th- this has got to be the craziest bit of corporate espionage I have ever <laughs> seen. in the fact that they just went to the court and said, hey, I want some info. Can I get it?
1: And it's not just a but that's a lot of <laughs> Four hundred and thirty six yeah, games.
0: Yeah. Uh, Epic Games, um or sorry, not Epic Games, but uh Valve said that this would be an overwhelming amount of work. Which like come on, do they really do you need to put that kind of burden on them? No. Yeah.
1: Like, we're all waiting for Half Life 3 to come out, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. Dude, Half Life Alex, if I want something even half as good as that, then I need Apple to just lay off right here, right now.
1: Yeah, they'll, they'll use their development time. You're just taking it away from that.
0: Oh, that's just crazy. Come on, it Apple. Is. Have some decency. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, let's go ahead and segue into one of our um, other topics here, we're talking about uh, BioWare Anthem or I guess I should say Bioware's Anthem, with the nice apostrophe yes there. Ryan, you want to break us into that? Yeah,
1: it, this has been an interesting development it's ever since Anthem really even came out. Since Anthem, if, if you had heard any bit of it, it was definitely bad news. <laughs> like, Anthem came off just absolutely horrible. The game was in just terrible state, both in terms of its actual performance and gameplay and its monetization like like it was bad so
0: a lot of comparisons to no man's sky Uh, yeah early no man's sky which is not usually a good thing
1: yeah that's true but i mean if you had actually started following like information after that whole debacle uh anthem Mm -hmm. was supposed to be developing an anthem next which would be their there be yeah be their version of uh like the dlcs that no man's sky had come out with after their um, their launch to just kind <laughs> of revamp the game and make it more of what people expected it to be mm-hmm. and so that had, that had been development in, in yeah, development for over a year i can't remember exactly when that started but um so EA, uh, it was like last week at some point, had come together and had like a meeting on whether they continued supporting the development of Anthem Next or if they were just going to stop it, which they decided they were just going to stop it because it was going to cost too much money and too much personnel. And out of this comes to our our main uh storyline of today which is from that development from that failure of a live service multiplayer game that ea has been hammering into all of their games over the past couple years uh yeah but uh dragon age 4 which was supposed to be one of these live service uh monetized games that EA likes to publish and is being uh, developed by BioWare, who again made Anthem and also made Mass Effect Andromeda, which was also a poorly received game by critics and players. But, Dragon Age 4 is actually now going to be single player only because EA is uh, actually removing the uh oh what's the word <laughs> they're, they're, okay so they're, they're not forcing bioware to make it a multiplayer game that that's sense
0: <laughs> losing the uh multiplayer mandate
1: yes yes that's that's what the word was thank you
0: yeah um i i gotta say i on one hand, I'm a little bit disappointed because I, I would have liked to see something similar uh, to No Man's Sky with Anthem. Maybe, you know, just uh, just working a little bit more on the development time and eventually meeting up to the promises that they had uh, originally made. And of course, if you look at No Man's Sky now, it's a good game. You know, a lot yeah. of people, you know, who were disappointed at first, they're coming back to the game and they're saying, yeah, no, this is a good game now. Um the things that they promised up front are now in the game, um, including, like, uh, I believe they're not quite worms, but in essence, the same thing. Giant, like, worms that roam around the planets and destroy them and stuff like that. It's it's getting into, like, all those sort of things. And, and you would have hoped to see the team behind Anthem get a chance to do that. So it's a shame to see them shut down. Yeah. But... On the other hand, the ability to have Dragon Age as a single-player game, um, I think, is probably a good one.
1: Yeah, I, I do believe that. Especially because it was being forced by EA to make that game a multiplayer game. It's not, It was not its original intention for Dragon Age 4 to be a multiplayer game. So, it's... It's definitely a good thing that the developers, for all the different studios at EA, can actually choose whether or not they want to make a multiplayer or a single-player game.
0: Yeah, definitely. Now, I played Dragon Age Origins, um, which was a single-player game. Um, and I thought it was pretty good, in all honesty. So, I'm I am hopeful for that. Uh, And I believe Inquisition was also still single player. So I I think it would have been a shame to have that multiplayer mandate. Yeah. I think Roll over. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, that was just just to have it roll over. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, and like one of the other things is at least what had influenced this decision wasn't just Anthem, but because of how good Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order had uh, done. Both with critics and players and as actual, like, sales.
0: Mm, yeah.
1: <clears throat> Which I, I played all the way through that. And it was definitely a good game. Definitely worth playing for that. And I hope there's a second one. There better, there better be a second one because <laughs> it, 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 it was a fun Star Wars game with pretty great graphics and... Uh, an enjoyable uh, play style.
0: Yeah, I didn't get a chance uh, or sorry, I should say I haven't had a chance to really sit down and um, sink into it. Uh, But my brother did and he really enjoyed it. Um, And from what I saw and just, you know, from a little bit of, you know, passing the controller and and getting a chance to test it out, I really enjoyed it as well. Even the um, customizing your lightsaber, I think is, you know, that's just... It, it reminds me of like the level of customization that i expect in a game such as um skyrim or something yeah um, but just a little bit more yeah um, it, which I, you know which i thought was great so
1: that yeah, i mean that took me back to the days of um um uh, star, star wars force unleashed Man. oh yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember playing the second one, which is not that memorable. But the first one was... It's still one of my favorite games. Definitely either tied or second to uh, the original Battlefront 2 uh, in terms of Star Wars games. Like it was, yeah. it was so good.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's a real classic. I mean, undoubtedly, people who are fans of the Star Wars video games, you there's a pretty good chance that you can mention... Um, Force Unleashed, and the, they'll either know of it or they will have played it, uh, which is always a good sort of baseline to see how recognized a game is, is yeah. usually a good indication of uh, how it was received. And, and I think, um, you know, you mentioned Battlefront 2. I think recently we've seen a bit of a change at EA. Um, Battlefront 2, when it first released, was not something I enjoyed. Um, I was disappointed with it, um, with some of the changes that they had made. I, you know, I was definitely of the opinion yeah. like that they should have just directly ported it, um, no changes made. But coming back to it a little bit later, I, I find that there are things about Battlefield, or sorry, Battlefront, that I can enjoy. So it's, and uh, you know, I feel like we're starting to see a trend where EA is. I wouldn't say necessarily intentionally upping the quality I don't think they ever were intentionally making poor quality games but I think maybe we're just seeing some more consumer based decisions
1: yeah like like when I think of those types of games a lot of it is the corporate side of game development and game production companies coming into it like that they're in it for the money they're not in, yeah. in it for how good the game is they just want it to do well and make the money
0: yeah, EA is not a it's not a passion-based company. And that's, you know, first of all, that's okay. Um, not every company needs to be based on a small group of individuals who are incredibly passionate about what they do. And that's just unlikely.
1: But this, even when developing games... like Because EA, for the most part, doesn't actually develop them. A lot of their subsidiaries do. Mm-hmm. So... When it comes to that, the subsidiaries like BioWare, uh, I think Riot's... I think they were the ones that made Battlefront, or they helped in it. I I can't remember. Yeah, I can't
0: remember. I'll I'll pull that up.
1: Yeah. But whether it was Riot or not, but those those are the companies that have the people who are passionate about making games and actually making Uh, them for the consumers.
0: uh, Battlefront 2 was Motive. DICE and Criterion. Oh,
1: DICE, dice. That's, oh, that's what I was thinking. But yeah, it's like... Yeah. Those, those are the companies that really want to pour the love into the games. And I'm glad it, now that EA is taking off this mandate of all multiplayer that those companies might actually be able to have more say in what they actually want to make.
0: Yeah, I think by giving those um giving those developers more freedom ea will find itself with better games to publish
1: that's true there definitely will be some better games coming out
0: so um we can all be looking forward to that i don't know that dragon age 4 has a release date yet but um it's definitely going to be moving into development phase soon yep um so let's talk about a. Uh, Let's hit on some of those things from the Pokemon Presents. Um, If you live under a rock, you probably don't know. uh, But for those of you that do not, it is the 25th anniversary of Pokemon, um, which seems to be upstaging the 35th anniversary of Zelda and the 35th anniversary of Metroid. But I'm not salty about it or anything. (laughs) It's just a personal preference. Mm. I'm a huge fan of all the game series. so
1: Yeah, I mean, they're all good i think also because pokemon had a big old presentation for it so that that helped yeah. a little bit
0: <laughs> yeah and admittedly it is 25 which is a quarter of a century maybe a little more significant than 35 uh, yeah. but i digress <laughs> so we got a lot announced um First thing that I should probably talk about is the thing that's been talked about every time Pokemon has so much been sneezed across the internet, and that is the remakes of Diamond and Pearl.
1: The am excited. Uh,
0: what is that now? Brilliant Diamond and uh, Shining Pearl?
1: Yeah, if I, I believe that's what they're called.
0: Yeah, so um, what are your thoughts on that? Um, <laughs> I think it's great they're being remade onto Switch. But I will admit uh, I'm having a bit of a roadblock with the graphic style.
1: Oh no, no doubt for me the graphics are a little uh, uh, definitely not uh, what I would have hoped for. But out out of I think that and the R C S game, which we'll get to in just a bit, uh, I think these are the ones that at least excited me more because. Diamond and Pearl, honestly, I think were my favorite games out of all the Pokemon games I've played. Mm-hmm. I, I just loved those games, so I think them getting uh, remade in a three D sort of uh, environment, although the uh, actual like player sprites look a little, their animations look a little weird, and
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: a little, that's a little weird, but it it. Hopefully, should I mean, it absolutely should stay true to the original Diamond and Pearl, and uh, it's something at least to be excited for, even if yeah. it may not look the, the best.
0: Right, and I think too there, you know, there is some um, there's still some wiggle room. I don't think necessarily we saw the full final product, but even if we did, um, the player sprites were my biggest roadblock there they just yeah there's something about them that just I, I i don't know what it was but i just couldn't get past it i think it was the legs yeah uh, you it, know it, i really do think it was
1: it felt like i was looking at a 3d um pixel art and our danny devito you know
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> like yeah.
1: just like no offense danny devito but short and stubby and we just like it's a little weird
0: yeah, you know, pixel art Danny DeVito shows up uh, in, in the original versions where he says, hey, kid, you want a Pokemon? And then Professor Oak shows up to rescue you, which is always a great moment.
1: And that, was, that was my favorite moment of all the Pokemon games.
0: Yeah, I, I think my best moment of the Pokemon anime was when Danny DeVito showed up, but he was still pixelized for some weird reason. I just thought that was so in character for him.
1: I mean, Danny Vita's always in character. It doesn't matter what you're doing.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's true. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think uh, I'm looking forward to uh, playing through the Cine region again. And I I think much in the same way that Link's Awakening graphics have grown on me, um, I can probably get with it. Although I do wish yeah. that maybe they'd do something like, um, Dragon Quest S did where you could choose to play the game in 3d or 2d. Oh, um,
1: that,
0: that would so, be good. Yeah. I think it'd be great to be able to play in that classic, uh, DS sprite version of the game.
1: Yeah. I mean, but, then again, I've, I've still got it in my DS sitting like five feet away yeah, from exactly.
0: <laughs> um, you know, I've, I've um, uh, I can always just uh, boot up RetroArch and uh, play my totally legit copy that I just took from my own yeah. copy I mean, hey, of the game.
1: I still have both original copies in my actual original DS Lite.
0: Very uh, nice. I think yeah. I still have my platinum version. Uh, I, but I don't think I still have diamond.
1: Yeah, I, I got I have those and then I have heart gold and black. And heart, mm. gold, heart gold is actually probably tied for my favorite book games like that. It's heart gold yeah. and then diamond pearl. Those, those, those yeah. are my pinnacle. Well, both.
0: Yeah, heart gold is hard to beat. I think uh, emerald is my favorite, uh, <laughs> purely because that was my first Pokemon game and that was like my first foray into it. Yeah, that's uh, and I I just really enjoyed it.
1: Like it, I, I played emerald in, I mean, pretty late. It was only a couple years ago, but it was, it was good. It was. Yeah, it, definitely. An, it was probably one of the more interesting stories in Pokemon.
0: Yeah, it, it holds up to the test of time, too. Yeah, um, definitely. Which, which I thought was great. A l- Heart Gold is always a little bit rough for me in the beginning, because I feel like it takes some time to get going. I feel like it um, does,
1: but also it's... You have two full regions to explore. Yeah, 16 exactly. 16 gem, gem battles. Like, it's... Like, that's the one thing I loved about it, just the amount of content that was in it and good content too
0: yeah like i don't want to roast anybody but like what have y'all been doing since heart gold huh i, I
1: don't know <laughs> hey i mean look black, black was respectable these black and white were respectable
0: yeah i enjoyed black and white and black and white too so yeah. basically they did another heart gold thing there where they had <laughs> you know two two games based uh right in that same area yeah um so I'll give them that one and I enjoyed X and Y this is just going to turn into me saying oh okay I guess all the games since then have been good but they yeah. they haven't quite had the contents amount that X yeah. and Y or sorry that uh, HeartGold had
1: that's true <laughs> I, I, I think that's just because the t- it's just two regions I think that's the biggest thing about it yeah <laughs> so much. I, I think
0: that's probably true Plus, you're going
1: back to Kanto, back to the fire, the fire red, leaf green, like right. Kanto, Kanto's classic. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah. I, I, haven't played red and green, uh, just because it's you know, playing fire red and leaf green is easier on the eyes. <laughs> yeah, it was like um, I,
1: oh, those are my first two Pokemon games. So
0: yeah, yeah. It, it, it's always good to go back there. Yeah. Um. I, I will say though I, w- I was interested to see I thought they would continue the Let's Go style graphics and gameplay, um, so it was interested to see this new graphic style which I, I think almost combines a little bit of that a little bit of that old DS feel and uh, a good bit of the Link's Awakening style graphics too. Yeah. Um, so I'm interested to uh, know what that signifies for what's going on uh, at Game Freak. Maybe nothing, but maybe they're just. Um, trying to experiment a little bit
1: yeah uh, hopefully all their experimenting goes well which, yeah
0: yeah best of luck to them yeah
1: but i mean that that at least for me brings me to pokemon arceus the the legends which
0: Absolutely. I, I think he,
1: you probably know a little bit more about all of that than i did.
0: right so pokemon legends arceus um Man, is that interesting looking. And for a plethora of reasons, um, the first and foremost is that we are taking a wild, (laughs) I mean, like, you know, no pun intended here, uh, but a wild step away from the normal Pokemon sort of framework uh, to be based more on the what seems like to me, at least the wild area from sword and shield which is you know if you if you played sword and shield is that area right before Modestoke, i think yeah Um, but for those of you that haven't it's that area where the pokemon are just roaming free uh and you can walk up and see them before going into the tall grass and you get to sort of see them in their habitat um and then you can choose to engage with them or just run away from them uh but pokemon legends arceus takes that to the whole nother level um where the whole game sort of seems to take place in one world space so instead of you know touching a pokemon to initiate a battle um you know the turn-based battle or rpg encounter style games that you know i'm sure you're familiar with um You're just roaming the overworld and initiating battles from the overworld that take place in the overworld, um, such as when you enter a patch of tall grass, you can use it to hide from a Pokemon. I think they have a Shinx as an example in the trailer. Um, And the player just throws a Pokeball at him uh, without, you know, without going into any sort of battle sequence. And, And then the clips that they show from having your Pokemon out and actually fighting with the wild Pokemon um, again sort of shows this happening in the overworld. Um What do you think about this departure from encounter based fights? Um I think it could
1: it could be interesting. I kinda like that aspect of it. I like that Game Freak is looking at some new ideas, especially because they're trying to go for this more open world style of game. But I'm definitely worried about this game personally
0: yeah and i I, just, I think the big worry for me and and maybe this is the one for you maybe it isn't uh, but the big worry for me is the fact that there only seems to be one town
1: i didn't really notice that like uh, mainly cuz i'm just like pokemon always going to have more towns so Maybe they only had one town to focus on, but yeah, yeah, I mean, for me, I'd say, well, actually, what, why, 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 would that, why, why were you thinking, uh, only one town other, other than that was the only one Shepard
0: So in the, in the trailer, they have, um, a line where they talk about the, the, the town, um, which for the life of me, I can't remember the name of what it was the town is like your base so they had this like a moment where they were talking about like with town as your base you will go out and explore and it was like it sounded like you would quest out into the wild and then return to the same town you had come from because it's supposed to be this town where people have all come together from other regions into the into the Sinnoh region Um, which is far, far into the past before... Far before any of the games that we've played so far. Yeah. Um, so that in of itself just sort of seemed... To imply to me that there is just the one town.
1: I could see how you see that. I guess for me it's like... I, had a, I figure, just like assume that there's going to be some other settlements in the world. And I really hope there is. I hope I hope I really hope you're wrong about this. <laughs>
0: I honestly Man. I do too. <laughs> yeah,
1: but honestly, I'd say my my biggest problem with this at least from what I've seen is the graphics. Really? Like, yeah, I uh, like yes, it's I think I'd say it is definitely a step up from uh Sword and Shield
0: i i would have to agree
1: but my biggest thing is the graphics and the world looks so empty like I'm like i've got some screenshots and all i'm seeing is just flat lands and trees and there's just like there's not even a lot of trees and it's it's like what what is there to go out and explore other than just to throw pokeballs
0: yeah, I, I, I will admit, it's it's getting to the point now whenever people mention like, oh, it's like Pokemon, but Breath of the Wild, that does not inspire me, inspiring me the same confidence that you were hoping it
1: would. <laughs> no, it doesn't, like I, I see that so many times on, on comments or on Twitter, I'm just like, it doesn't look like Breath of the Wild at all, and personally, it looks so it, much worse, like Breath of the Wild had an interesting art style. In a very yeah, good yeah. crafted art style that was really well executed, and the world felt lived in. The, fro- the world felt like it was alive.
0: Yeah, it, even <laughs> comparing it to other Zelda games, it was much emptier, but it was also much bigger, and there were still yeah. stuffs st- to interact with. Story wise, it was empty, sure, uh, and that's usually my biggest uh, thing when I'm talking about the things that bother me about it. Um, but mechanic-wise, that world had so much to explore because there were so many ways to interact with the world. Um, in a Pokemon game, however, I don't have Magnesis and bombs <laughs> and several <laughs> different weapon types and random encounters. I, you, know, that, now, you know, now that you've brought it up, like that, that is a very good point. This does look a bit emptier than Zelda, and especially in the way of... What am I going to be able to interact with? Yeah. Other,
1: other than the tall grass. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Like, hey, I am as much a fan of catching Pokemon as anyone else. Um, but if I wanted a game where I spent all my time in the wild area and caught Pokemon, I'd probably just play Sword and Shield so that I could take a break to go do, you know, <laughs> the main storyline. Yeah. Um, yeah. But of course, we still we do still have a while. So
1: it's true. There's still a
0: year. Um, you know, maybe we're just seeing some some really early footage.
1: I hope so, because the, the the other thing that I saw, which I would imagine would be fixed, is the frame rate. I don't know if you noticed that too.
0: Yeah, there were definitely some moments.
1: <laughs> there was one um, when you when you there was like a chingling that was uh, floating across the screen at one point, and it was like it was going at like five frames a second. Oh, if that, like it, it was, it looked so bad, and that, that doesn't worry me for necessarily the, the game itself because I imagine that would be fixed, but right. I'm worried that they put this trailer out in that state, showing us that. <laughs>
0: yeah, uh, the, <laughs> it's okay to feel a little worried. I think.
1: Yeah, I I really hope that, they can fix a lot of the stuff that we've talked about but there's definitely some uh some yeah. worry there
0: yeah and those are definitely doable in a year especially with and i don't think we mentioned this before um uh, but pokemon brilliant diamond and shining pearl aren't actually being made in-house at game freak uh oh. ilka inc is the ones taking over that um they uh, of course there is someone from game freak the guy who uh originally made the uh the, the director for the original Diamond and Pearl games um, will be over at Ilka Inc, um, liaising with them. But Pokemon Legends is actually going to be Game Freak's main focus here. They're not really working okay. on those remakes. So, with a year of having Legends to focus on, I I, I think that um, I, I think that everything is doable.
1: I think so. That that could that gives me a little bit more. Uh, comfort.
0: Yeah, but yeah.
1: but I I guess my other thing is still I want to know how this comes out and how it's gonna cause no doubt people are gonna compare the diamond and pearl and how it comes out to the le- R C S legends since they both were announced about the same time like they're yeah. gonna compare it and it's just how the games look how the games feel so I I I have a feeling that if the brilliant diamond shining pearl looks and feels in actual gameplay so much better than this game then game freak might look to either looking at other developers or working with other developers to kind of modernize the pokemon genre in the pokemon games that, yeah. and personally that's what I've been, I've been hoping that they do that which is actually why when when you got it when you said that about Diamond and Burrow, that, that that gave me some excitement knowing <laughs> yeah, someone or, else is actually making a Pokemon game
0: <laughs> right um, when I saw that on the Pokemon Presents that Ilka was making it I was like whoa that this is what I've been talking about for a while now yeah. like it, it's about time Game Freak started passing the torch a little bit yeah uh, so I think it's great to see that I do wonder though if this is maybe because they're starting on you know they've been talking about wanting to do other projects um maybe they didn't necessarily mean that they wanted to stop making pokemon just a different kind because the whole pokemon legends arceus now we know that arceus is going to be integral to this um story's main plot um uh, but does that mean that there's going to be other legend series like are we going to see a pokemon legends Darkrai, pokemon Legends celebi Pokemon Legends, Deoxys. Uh, stuff like that. Um, I would say it's possible. I don't see why this couldn't turn into its own line of games, the Pokemon Legends series. Because it definitely has a different feel to it than yeah. the other games.
1: Yeah, it, It's like a Pokemon Mystery Dungeon kind of thing. Like It's a, in the Pokemon world, but it's a completely really separate feel to the actual gameplay. Right. And... The one one thing I feel like in order for that to happen is I think this game has to be good enough in that that there's hope that they can build upon this base of a new style of Pokemon game for the future.
0: Yeah, this this is a pilot. This is a test run. Yeah, and uh, the thing is,
1: you know, not all pilots get made into TV shows, so it's got to be a good enough pilot to move on to the next step
0: yeah Um, so so fingers crossed for that hoping them well Uh, absolutely pokemon legends arceus comes out in uh 2022 i i believe they said early 2022 Uh, meanwhile brilliant diamond and shining pearl are going to be coming out um late 2021 so let's talk about um let's see the uh The super follows on Twitter. (laughs) This is a bit of a fun topic. Uh, So the super follows on Twitter are basically introducing uh, paid subscriptions to Twitter accounts. So in kind of the same way that you can uh, subscribe on Twitch to get uh, extra perks or join a Patreon to unlock extra content. It seems that you can, uh, not yet, but coming soon you will be able to um, pay a monthly fee to access more content from your favorite tweeter. Uh, Whether that's extra tweets, uh, access to the community, or something else, Twitter is now adding a paid subscription level
1: man it it still makes me cringe a little bit
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i don't i don't think there's anyone out there that i want to see more tweets from enough to pay money
1: i i don't like that's the thing i don't understand where this decision came from (laughs) like what's the end goal with this
0: (laughs) I, I really don't. I, I Maybe Twitter's trying to branch out. Maybe they want to be a little bit more than just uh, the, the platform for sharing short thoughts. But I just, I don't. Uh, there's such a big disconnect here.
1: Yeah, the pro- I think the problem with, for me is Twitter's not a content creation platform. Like, YouTube has their own... Uh, subscription stuff for the for like I, can, I can't remember what the what it's actually uh, called.
0: joining the community yeah or it, it's something There's, like that yeah
1: something something like that but like you get access to extra content from your actual like your favorite content creators like, right like they're, they're, they're making content specifically for you to enjoy a, a tweet <laughs> it is a string of words put together and put out to the world. I don't understand how that specifically is enough content creation for people to want to pay to see.
0: Yeah, like so my Twitter is for dumb thoughts that I have <laughs> and updates about the content that we are creating. You know, for people who want like special perks, you know, we have a Patreon for that now. Uh people can get the Motley Podcast on Saturday instead of on Monday, uh, you know, by paying the the three dollar level, and like that that makes sense to me. Like I get why that's a thing. Yeah. Um, and it's not even a real barrier because you can just wait till Monday. But a tweet. <laughs> yeah. I
1: don't know I'm not saying. I think the other thing is with Patreon, they're built on having this subscription. For other content creators. Like content creators from other platforms. Twitch, YouTube, wherever. Come to them. To have this some sort of subscription thing. For their followers.
0: Yeah that's, that's Patreon's intent. That is their yeah. core. Reason for for being around. Twitter is not. There. Like, I, I, Granted Twitter has become a spot. For content creation. Awareness but not for yeah. content creation in of itself.
1: Yeah. Because from what for for Twitter, what I think of Twitter is a complete melting pot of all sorts of different people, content creators, from YouTube, Twitch, movie stars, every everyone from all walks of life. Yeah. Well, and well for these kinds of kinds of subscriptions, I feel like it's more geared towards the type of content that's being made, i.e. YouTube having their own subscription, a Patreon, Twitch having their own subscriptions, is made so that you can follow your favorite content creators. Twitch is just a complete melting pot of everyone together and it's not their- it's no- it's no one's main content creation place because it's just mostly just a string of words.
0: Right. Like, I'm, I'm going to plug pretty much every other form of media content that I have before I plug my Twitter.
1: Yeah. A twi- Twitter is where you go and you see when you upload something onto YouTube.
0: <laughs> yeah. Or, or, you know, maybe it's a way to find content creators. But again, yeah. you're not going to find much of their content there beyond yeah. like a 30 second clip.
1: Yeah, because you're going to go to their YouTube or their Twitch to actually watch them consistently. You're not gonna watch right. them consistently on Twitter. So
0: Now if Twitter drops a subscribe feature now I'm then I'll start getting worried.
1: <laughs> yeah, that that would be very, very worrisome if, if Twitch became or Twitter became I guess Twitch in a way.
0: Oh man. It's Twitch it's, but the comments never stop. <laughs>
1: oh that'd be horrible
0: oh man at least once the stream ends you know if you you know no more no more poggers after the stream ends
1: like like, i'm just saying like imagine you just go on to under a a tweet and you just see just a string of poggers
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and, you know every second more and more being added yeah (laughs) oh I don't know, maybe this is a good idea.
1: This could be honestly some great content that we get out of it.
0: <laughs> oh man, my Twitter stream is poggers. <laughs> I think I think that might be the episode title right here.
1: Yes. My Twitter <laughs> stream is poggers.
0: <laughs> oh man. Okay, yeah, back to something uh, a little more content creation based here. Um, Avatar: The Last Airbender getting its own studio.
1: I've heard of it. I don't. I haven't. I haven't been able to follow it too much, but that's definitely an interesting development for sure.
0: There's doesn't seem to be a whole lot here. Um, so what we do know, Netflix is making a live action Avatar: The Last Airbender, and the creators of that were on board. They were there making creative decisions with Netflix and they walked out over creative differences, which at the time pretty much cemented in my mind that Netflix was somehow managing to make the exact same blunders that M. Night Shyamalan was making when he tried to make a live-action Avatar. Um, For example, they made Katara the older sister, which, you know, that's a design choice that I have to wonder why. Because so much of the dynamic of Avatar is both learning how to interact with different cultures and also about how finding yourself and finding a confidence in yourself to be who you are. You know, for Sokka, that means even though that he's the older brother and has this desire to protect the other members of Team Avatar, he he doesn't have any bending. And there is a time where he has to go through an understanding of how he can still be useful without these superpowers that the others have and and likewise for katara there is you know she is the younger sister so she does in some ways have something to prove um specifically to sokka in the fact that she doesn't just need his protection she is capable of protecting herself so just a blatant move to sort of disrupt the balance and then the you know I'm sure there were other things, the show creators leave and you you know I thought I thought that was pretty much it like this was the last chance at reviving Avatar, but instead we now have Avatar Studios, um, which has the co-creators of Avatar, uh, Michael and Brian, um, heading up the studio to work on new original content set in the same world, and uh, there is also a movie going to be coming out, so. I suddenly feel a whole lot better about the future of Avatar the Last Airbender.
1: Uh absolutely same for me.
0: Like I I don't know. I how many times do you think you've watched the series? I've watched it at least 4 or 5, I think.
1: Uh, I've I've got a confession to make. Oh no. I haven't actually watched the series.
0: I've watched some oh, episodes.
1: I've watched I've watched some episodes, but I have not watched the full Avatar The Last the last series.
0: Oh man, that is something that needs to be remedied.
1: Yeah, I did watch the actual live action movie and that probably scarred me for life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's understandable. Oh my yeah. goodness. The even for someone who had never seen Avatar, if you explain to them what like a scene was supposed to look like they could look at the movie and say this is wrong yeah. this is not right at all like, like I, just... I feel
1: like i feel like i've watched enough clips to like get a general sense of avatar like i've seen a lot of clips a lot of things about it so i've got a sense of it i just have not actually watched the show
0: <laughs> yeah um, the, it, it is a great show to watch. Um, it does have a lot of... Uh, the world space is phenomenal. And they've done such a good job of crafting these unique characters and stories that go into them. And that's what really makes Avatar stand out. Um, plenty of people will tell you it doesn't deserve the hype. Plenty of people will way over-hype it. Um, but at its core, it is, a good, it is a very good story that tells very good good characters. Um and I think that's something to be admired no matter what your feelings towards the show and, you know, it's occasional clichés and things like that are.
1: Yeah, I think what what you just mentioned about the characters. So that's what I'm excited about because of this news of getting their own studio is they actually have full control of the creative process of avatar now rather than m night Shyamalan's complete disaster of a, of a, right. a
0: movie yeah it's um <laughs> i from what i understand with m night Shyamalan, they sent in information um or it was either that they had sent in information to him and were ignored or that they were just never contacted. I can't remember which one, but either way, they had no actual input on the uh, M Night Shyamalan movie, and which I is think it Yeah, <laughs> it's just. Oh man, I, I I think there's so much they put into creating these cultures, and it's very important to each of them. Some very subtle things. Um, each of the so there are four nations. Um, they each represent an element. And that association with the element is due to the fact that um, within those nations, there are people called benders who can control those elements. We have the water tribes, the earth kingdom, the fire nation, and the air nomads. And each of those sets of benders, um, in the case of the air nomads, only one, Ang. Um, but their fighting styles so much care was put into the creation of that as each culture has a unique fighting style um, based on real martial arts and those martial arts match up with their elements so while you're watching this these fight scenes happen you don't even understand it but you are watching an expression of their culture even in the way they fight it's That's something that M. Night Shyamalan for sure did not pick up. Yeah. I would be surprised if the Netflix adaptation retains that. But since they are now going to be making more content based in that same world, I am looking forward to that same level of care and consideration uh, when crafting more Avatar The Last Airbender and Legend of Korra style content. Yeah,
1: I, I would imagine it would be more care and a better made Avatar uh, movie or TV, whatever media is going to be.
0: Right. Um, so, you know, I'll be hopeful for that. No release dates or anything like that on when some of that content will be coming out. Uh, yeah, this is a very new development, so I can't imagine they've gotten very much work done at all yet. Uh, but... We'll just have to see how things go and uh, keep an ear out. And of course, we'll keep you up to date with any of the developments that happen over there. Absolutely. All right. Um, I think the last couple things we want to talk about here is first off, the new Valorant agent, um, which if you've had a chance to check her out, is actually pretty cool looking. <laughs> So Valorant, if you guys don't know, is a uh, first person tactical shooter reminiscent of CSGO and Overwatch mixing together uh, that includes unique agents, unique abilities, um, and a high level gunplay uh, that create a very strategic and team based shooter. Um, Occasionally, you'll get some single guys who come in there or or girls, you know, part of my uh, pronouns there. who just come in and they're like, you know what? I think I'm just going to carry this whole lobby. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to one V nine here. My team is dead weight. I'll just do all the one taps. So, but aside from those (laughs) exceptional players, um, it really is a team-based shooter. And one of the biggest things with agents is always trying to figure out how they play together. Well, Uh, Ryan, you play Sova primarily, and I would say he is super well suited to working on a team.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, Probably one of the more essential, not I wouldn't say the most essential, but one of the more essential characters, especially for information gathering.
0: Yeah, and, and that's hugely important, um, both gathering and denying information to the enemy team. Um, yeah. I'm sure you've had several times where your reveal dart has allowed you to get the drop on enemies and, you know, clean up more kills than you would have otherwise.
1: Absolutely, and it's actually probably more for my teammates. I think I think most times, it's my dart reels someone near a teammate, and he's able to take him out.
0: Yeah, which is the perfect kind of play in this game because you know you're not really looking for how good can i do you're looking for okay how can the team do well
1: yeah that's unless you're a duelist isn't they? <laughs> and then just <laughs> frag out
0: yeah. But, that, that, yeah but that's
1: that's what that's what they're designed to do though that's that's theirs supposed to be their play style so
0: yeah yeah their team reliance there is trusting their team will have them back and allowing them to have the confidence to just go in and frag
1: yeah i mean they're supposed to be the first ones in so mm-hmm.
0: yeah so, you know, you, you got to rely on them to be able to do that, and they've got to be able to rely on you to back them up. Yeah. Uh, so Astra, as far as I can tell, is going to fall more in this uh, strategic um, area. She's almost seems to be more of a map control. Um, so Astra's powers are cosmic-based, and uh, I think they're pretty cool. So she revolves around placing stars across the map. Um so these stars are throwable,s um, so she tosses them down. Um, I, she has to shift into an astral form to do so, um, and then she can place them anywhere on the map. Um, and once she has placed it, her sir, sur- her different abilities trigger them. Um, so, for example, um, her gravity well um, will activate a star to form a, a uh, an area that will sort of um not necessarily chain players but it will drag them all towards it black hole-esque um and then it will explode um and making all the players fragile um which fragile means you take more damage um so there's instantly in my mind several combos that this works and I'm, I'm sure there are for you too oh yeah um, I think probably first and foremost is the the raised grenade.
1: Yeah, that if you put a raised grenade in there, it's easy ace. I feel like if you can yeah. get all five.
0: Yeah, I feel like um. Yeah, I feel like you can probably get you know a couple really cheesy. They try to five man push mid. You drop that gravity well. Raise throws a grenade in, and it just. You know, they're fragile, they take extra damage, and it's a nightmare for the opposing team. Yeah. Well, I mean you gotta have to do a team
1: or good teamwork for that, so
0: Yeah. You know, you gotta use comms. Yep. Um Nova Pulse. Um that's like a concussive blast. Um I think uh the Sky, the latest agent, also has a concussive blast, and of course Brimstone Or, sorry, not Brimstone. Uh, It's the other one. Breach. Yeah, Breach has Concussive Blast. Um, So it's going to be there. Um, Definitely a little bit of zone control on that. Um, Nebula, you activate a star to create a smoke screen. Um, And then you can also dissipate stars, um, which briefly form a fake smoke screen uh, before they come back to you. And the way all these stars are placed is using the astral form, which is the ultimate. Um, And then, or I guess rather I should say, until it is your ultimate, it is astral form, um, which you can, you activate it, you enter your astral form, and you place stars, um, which can be reactivated later. Um, But then you have an ability to call as cosmic divide, which is your true ultimate here. Um, And when it charges up, uh, you can use it use select two locations and a cosmic divide forms that blocks bullets and heavily dampens audio so it's very similar to symmetra's wall in overwatch and i just the tactical implications of this are huge
1: yeah she definitely feels like a a bunch of different agents put into one
0: yeah she is the utility on this kit Especially that Cosmic divide. I I can imagine several scenarios where, like, you're about to be caught out by the opposing team. You know, they're about to five-man rush. You just summon that wall, and they can't even shoot you until they pass that wall.
1: I I can imagine this being used mostly on, like, offense, especially on, like, like, any sort of long... Just yeah. close off that long area. People they can't shoot you from long they gotta come in. You already got the advantage.
0: Yeah, you can just push like, as far up long as you want. And they've gotta come to you and step out of defensible positions. Yeah. That's huge.
1: Yeah, like this is, I think is gonna be a really good character. Definitely gonna have to be a very uh uh what's the word now? a character you have to play to actually uh understand and get yeah. used to
0: yeah she's a character with a high skill cap
1: that's that's not, that's it yeah it's not like Phoenix where you can just easily go out and understand what all this stuff is
0: yeah. but you, have to, you have to you have to know how, to, how it all works together yeah this is a strategic kit this is going to require communication with your team um and uh, probably a good bit of practice too to just get a feel for oh, yeah. uh, when's the best place to or when's the best time to activate abilities, and where is the best place to place down stars?
1: Yeah, so, I'll say I'm glad we're de- we're getting people up in Duelists now. <laughs> yeah, there's been so many Duelists since the game actually came out.
0: Yeah, let's see, Rina, plus, um, uh, what is the? Um, the samurai guy oh yoru yeah yeah Uh,
1: and then raised raised was technically after uh, the yeah that's true like like that i mean you it's the fact that you can five stack with (laughs) with all duelists it's kind of crazy
0: yeah and it's a viable comp sometimes too which makes me mad but I mean that's true
1: if you, if you got play people who can all play those like that then.
0: I, that's just the way it is sometimes. Yeah. All right. I think we can go ahead and uh, move into our last topic here. Which really isn't going to take that long. I just want everyone to know that the new <laughs> Oculus Quest um is going to respond to Hey Facebook. <laughs> So, you know, if you ever get tired of saying, hey, Google, well, uh, rejoice how you can say, hey, Facebook. Please in. I mean, at math. least
1: you can do that kind of stuff without having to take off your uh, headset.
0: Yeah, I, so. uh, I don't know what the practical applications of this are, but... <laughs> I don't know
1: either, but, I mean, uh, there's gotta be some sort of thought behind it. <laughs> I hope.
0: I know that, um... I know that Oculus is owned by Facebook, but... Yeah. To be honest, I wasn't sure what that really meant, other than that they were a company who owned it. Um, yeah.
1: I, it just feels like an acquisition they got because Oculus can make the money.
0: Yeah. Um, so, you, so the Quest 2 and Portal video chat devices... Um, now accept voice commands by starting with, hey, Facebook, um, they launched voice commands for quest last year, but you still had to press the voice button. Um, so now they've just added that hands free option. Um, so it looks here like they have like, Hey, Facebook open supernatural. Uh, so I guess maybe that's for like, uh, watching things on the, uh, Quest Since the Quest isn't hooked up to a computer or anything, uh, I guess it makes sense that it has some built-in, like, video apps and stuff like that. Um, That's true. It's, it's a minor addition, but it does crack me up that it is such just... I mean, for Al- Alexa, you just say, you know, like, Alexa, Um for Google you preface it with hey. Um so I thought maybe Facebook would do something different, but I guess we're just stuck with hey Facebook.
1: Yeah. I mean at least it's a nice quality of life upgrade for the Oculus though.
0: Yeah. Yeah it is. Um I can only hope that their assistant has a little more personality than Apple's Siri does.
1: <laughs> yeah. I feel like, like Siri is the worst of all of them right now.
0: Yeah, no. I, actually,
1: no. It's not worse than Cortana.
0: Yeah. Um, Cortana never <laughs> understands what I'm asking for when I try to use it. Yeah. I, I wish there
1: was a way to completely disable Cortana, but I haven't found that, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I just turned off access to the mic for Cortana.
1: Yeah. I think I did that too, but I don't think it's a way to fully disable her from... Being any part of the computer,
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think I think they could do some stuff to to get Cortana where she needs to be, but until that Absolutely happens, good. they just they just need to completely
1: port over the, the Cortana from from Halo. Exactly, that. just have just have the avatar like you know you know how that paperclip did back in like XP or Vista, like that one paperclip dude. One oh, application. Yeah, Clippy. Yeah, you know like how he just pops up sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, that's what they really got to do with Cortana. Just have Cortana, like, <laughs> from Halo. <pop> up. <laughs> <laughs> I see
0: you're trying to uh, solve complex calculations. Well, as a yeah. computer AI, I can do that for you. It's me, they, Cortana. They, they, yeah. I'll get corrupted yeah. in an unknown world sometimes.
1: <laughs> they might have to actually clothe her just a little bit for uh, public
0: yeah, things that... like that that would probably be a necessary addition
1: yeah it's fine for halo which is a rated m game or is it rated in
0: yeah it's right ra- it's rated m
1: it's rated. M. yeah i was like yeah i figured it was but yeah, probably not good for, for the the masses of windows users
0: yeah um hey sir i would like to buy a computer <laughs> well actually <laughs> son this computer is rated m <laughs>
1: man just just imagine you're in a presentation
0: (laughs) cortana pops up i see you're giving a presentation and figured this was the best way to either make or break your career hello watching officials it's me cortana Uh, yeah
1: half-clothed cortana you can see my side boobs
0: (laughs) oh cortana you silly little ai yeah good ai (laughs)
1: unlike the actual windows ai someday someday
0: yeah. Yeah. <laughs> actually
1: speaking of, speaking of cortana i actually did uh play through halo 1 2 3 and reach not too long ago oh nice how was, was that it was good i actually had never played uh the original halo or halo 2 until done and halo 2 is probably one of my favorite games right now
0: I, <laughs> like, yeah there's some good <laughs> games yeah, the
1: anniversary cutscenes are uh, beautiful. Oh yeah! Like, I, I, it was stunning.
0: I I would recommend the anniversary edition for anyone who's, who's even interested in trying out some of those other Halo games.
1: Absolutely. I I, I wish they I hope they do it for some for the other ones as well, like Halo One and Halo Three. Yeah. But Halo Two is definitely a worthy, a worthy game of getting that anniversary.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's all the topics we have to cover here today. So uh, thanks so much for listening in. You can find, of course, the Motley podcast wherever you find your podcast, whether that's on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts or Apple Podcasts. We do ask that you would uh, be so kind to uh, give us a review, you know, with, with like five stars. Because, well, the other reviews help. But in, if they're a one-star review, they don't actually. Funny story, so you should only give five-star reviews. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it really does help. And, of course, word of mouth is the best way to get us uh, out there into the world. So tell your friends, hey, even if it's on a whim, if even one more person listens in, well, I'll consider that a win. I, 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 it's always you... a win. So... Uh, be sure to follow us on all of our assorted socials and uh, media sites. Of course, you can head over to www.themotleybroadcast.com uh, just to find links into all the things that we do, all the different stuff we have, including a DD and d live play podcast called The Perilous Path, um, which is just, uh, just about to go back into uh, publication. Um, we've got a lot of backlogging episodes that will appear on our Patreon. Um, which I mentioned earlier in the uh, episode, but our our Patreon is going live and will include early episodes from both of our podcast series as well as some other uh, extra content creation uh, that you can find at the different levels. Um, But all of our backlog episodes are available at the $3 level, and uh, that gives you early access to them uh, several days before they come out. Um, And of course be sure to uh like and subscribe on both our youtube and our twitch even though you can't like over there but dropping a follow would be much appreciated (laughs) uh we usually go live on thursday nights with the perilous path and uh a couple uh usually wednesday nights we go live as well just uh with some chill gameplay uh lately we've been playing Valheim, and that's been a lot of fun so uh be sure to stop in yeah ryan's the expert of Valheim. he knows so much more about what we're doing (laughs)
1: I've put in over 50 hours so far. And <laughs> it's so great.
0: It's <laughs> so good. Get Valheim, guys. It's so good.
1: I know. All right. And don't forget to, to uh, go to our Twitter and do our super follow as well.
0: Yeah, super follow Cause... us on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Or just send us a, a tweet at, the, at Motley Broadcast. Twitter follows great. Super follows dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, I'm the Fantasy Guy Noah.
1: And I'm the Techie Guy Riot.
0: And this has been the Motley Podcast.